Okay, shall, we, shall we kick off? The, it's, a, it's a great pleasure to have Alexi here from the, the NCG, so it's just, uh, just across the way from us. We don't, we don't have uh, uh, anything like as many local people talking here as we should, so maybe we'll, we should try and change that. So Alexi's um, had his uh, PhD in EPFL in Lausanne and spent some time uh, around there for, and did came to Maynooth in, when three, was it? Three years ago. Three years ago. And as a Stokes lecturer here, he's, he's, he's doing lots of work on uh, machine learning for spatial problems and is uh, going to tell us about some work with uh, the, the uh, some uh, Twitter and, and mobile phone data, and, uh, which we'll learn more about. So thank you very much, Lucy. Peter is, is complaining. Right. Yeah, I don't want this. Sorry. Okay. Um, so this talk is entitled Exploratory Analysis of Human Mobility and Activities from Georeferenced Communication Data Streams. And my name is uh, Doug Pozantid, is Alexei Poznikov. Now, what I'm going to do for the next 40 minutes is I'm going to read exactly the same in reverse order and give more details. So I'll present what we do at National Center for Geocomputation very briefly, explain what I mean by communication data streams, so what kind of data we've got, show what we extract from this data, what kind of activities we are looking for and going to analyze, uh, talk a little bit about the mobility and give some perspective of what kind of exploratory analysis you can do by using this data trying to answer those questions. Okay, so the National Center for Geocomputation, we are not too far, it's the Yontos building. The institute is established uh, 2004. We are about uh, 30 researchers and we are looking for a director. So if anyone knows a good director for what we do, always welcome. The position is announced, probably this week. We've got very diverse funding from various sources. SFI funds a big part of it, including the strategy, which is strategic research cluster in advanced geotechnologies. There are other projects which we are involved in. And what NCG does is basically geographic information science and the particular aspects of it is a data, anal uh, data analysis. So we do spatial statistics, visualization of data, analytics of you know, visuals, we do data fusion, data mining and machine learning. And why we do all this? Because I think these are right the enabling technologies for computational social sciences, which are on huge rise now. So, my view on this is that we got all these enabling technologies to answer some good questions about complex systems and complex social systems. Right. So people at NCG are of various backgrounds, and I'm showing you the backgrounds of people who work on this kind of projects I'm presenting today, because it's more like an overview talk. It's not very technical. There's a lot of visuals there, and uh, various projects fed into this uh, presentation. So we work at the intersection of computer science, physics, applied math, and complexity sciences. And all this enabled by uh, geotechnologies. You know, you need a little bit of geotechnologies to do things efficiently, you know, to, to handle data, to plot data, to process data, you need geocomputation there. But what we aim to uh, to achieve is to get better understanding of complex social systems. Right. 
So, coming to the title of my talk, it's about data and data streams and georeference data streams. So what I mean by this, well, in fact, uh, there's lots of data around. If you look at the internet, internet is a, is a measuring tool. So it's a tool which allows you to measure social systems. You crawl the data and what you can get from there, well, many things. For example, what I'm showing here is the visual of an instant messenger network. So it's, a, it's an instant messenger run by American Online, and they got an API and they provide you data how many new connections been established between cities via their instant messenger. So what you've got is, you know how many connections been initiated from every node of this network? You know how many connections been initiated between two cities? So you know the activity at nodes, you know, the activity at links. And uh, actually, these nodes can appear and disappear, and sometimes they can move in space. Right? Cities don't really move in space, but people in cities, they do move. And uh, you've got quite a complex system, which potentially got lots of information about the whole planet. And you want to analyze that. Moreover, sometimes we got access to the content of the data in these networks, right? Twitter, for example, provides you just text so you can read about what's happening on the planet. And uh, what we hope to achieve is to get some kind of a social scope system which would take all these data streams and convert it to something useful. You know, useful in order to, to optimize uh, traffic, get better understanding of what people do, what people want, what they need to do, what they want, and so on. Uh, what about enabling technologies? Well, you've got data streams, you can store data, you can analyze data and present them nicely visually to people. And this has been a design of these technologies for quite a long time, and most of the geographic information systems have been based on this scheme. You know, the web services appeared recently, but currently the bottleneck is not here, not here, it's here. Because the data grows too fast and the information created growing faster than the available storage for the data. So the only way to overcome this bottleneck is to replace the storage and actually you don't need to store anything if you can do processing on the fly. So current trends in data analytics is on online algorithms. If you can process data online without storing them and present your results, uh, that's the, the only scalable model for now. Right? Of course you store something interesting if you discover something, but it's, it should not be a bottleneck. And we try to organize everything we do into this scheme. So we take the data stream, we process it with some kind of data uh, analytics model, like machine learning model, and we try to present it through a web interface and make it globally accessible. Yes, please. I'm sorry, I didn't get to find why spatial database is the uh, button right now. Because you've got too much data. Uh, so if, if it's not spatial, then it's not a problem? No, if it's just a database, it's already a problem. It's not the most efficient data storage available and not the most efficient data storage model. You mean like database systems are not good enough? They're not good enough for the, for the volumes of data available now. Right, so what kind of questions we can be answering, what kind of answers we can get from those systems? Well, 
many different things. Let's say coming back to this instant messaging, uh, instant messenger system, we can look at these you know, activity profiles at various locations on the planet, so various cities. And if you look at some, some place on the planet, okay, that's in the Philippines, what we can see, here's the night time, no one talks. In the morning, people go to their offices, they start talking. This is a lunch break, right? They go for lunch, no one is talking during lunch break because they probably don't have access to internet. Or they just having their lunch, not, they don't talk. I don't know why, but you can see this kind of pattern. And then they come back and you get again some quite high level. This is night time and again the same, right? And different places you've got different patterns. Sometimes you can see the lunch breaks, not that distinct, but still you can see something. Other places don't have it really. So maybe here in Russia people just don't go out because it's a little bit cold outside, so they stay in their offices and they still keep chatting on the internet. I don't know. But all this information is potentially there in this data set. Sorry, Alexei, we're probably going to bombard you with more questions than you used to, but it's just because we don't. This is all new. So, what, what's on the X scale? What's on the Y scale? This is a number of connections initiated in the in the instant messenger. Per minute or something. Yeah, per uh, five minutes. Per five minutes. So the the thing is that I, I'm wondering about the discrepancy in patterns. If, if it's just a sample issue to do with the fact that the penetration of this technology is different in different places. That's one of the issues. But here, what you can get, I mean, this is consistent in time at least. So you can look at the temporal patterns. In space, it's not consistent because the penetration is very different and people use Skype in other areas, right? So you cannot make global conclusions. Or at least you need to justify those. But in temporal uh, dimension, it's consistent. And this kind of questions, and this is kind of problems we are trying to solve, having access to this kind of data. Well, first thing to do, well, okay, let's plot a heat map. Who using the instant messenger and when they're using the instant messenger. And if we just do this, what we got is nice global heat wave which just goes around the globe. Right. So here's a day-night divide and people are going to fall asleep now in Europe, UK, those people awake, now they fall asleep, these people awake, and so on. Right? Quite nice visual. Now, can it be useful? Now, that's a good question. Nice looking, but we need uh, more detailed, you know, more precise questions and more, more detailed answers. And the first thing we can be interested in, okay, well, we, got, we, we know this activity wave, right? Okay, we all wake up and fall asleep. But is there anything special happening, right? Is there anything happening which is not really explained by our routine, the daily routine? And uh, there is a model which can help us understand this. And the model simply assumes, okay, you got this kind of signal. You got a number of counts of new connections in a city. And you say, okay, part of those connections are explained by our routine. Okay? And part is uh, something special happening, something abnormal. We're going to model a routine as a time-varying Poisson distribution here. Okay? So you just go to modulating profile 
which you're going to learn from data and say, okay, this is my routine. This is what normally happens on Monday, Tuesday, and so on, and weekend. And the other part of a model is something abnormal, and this part is going to be modeled by a sequence of abnormal events. And we're going to assume that these events, they come and go, and they got particular duration and particular interval between those. And we're going to fit this model, and what it gives us, it splits our signals into two components, the routine and the, uh, the, the abnormal component. Why this model is useful? Well, first of all, if your day is entirely normal, uh, let's say well, this one is almost normal, you can see it. Okay, so your red line is a routine component, your blue line is the signal you observe from a city. If something special is happening over Christmas, well, you immediately see this, right? The day is special. If you don't have any, yeah? True. Yeah, you can get more. You can get more data from, from this model here. Can, can I also ask? So I mean that the modeling these kind of things as, as time of inhomogeneous passing processes goes back to airline in the 1930s, right? So I was wondering what the motivation was for the, you know, you're putting in assumptions about the non-homogeneity of the unusual part of the process. I was wondering what the motivation was for that, there are those assumptions other than uh, computational convenience or argument. Yeah, the, the thing is that the um, in, in all this process, so this routine component is what most of the models are based on, right? Transportation, for example, is based on the routine component of demand supply and this, you know, this periodicity of human movement. Now, if something happens, which is not explained by your routine, you've got traffic collapse. And it happens in many, 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 many systems. So we need to understand those abnormal components, and that was the motivation to to apply this kind of models for me. And wasn't that done for phone calls in the 1940s, if I remember? Yeah, so the difference is that those old models, they've been only fitted to model this component, this routine component, just modulating profiles. <laughs> well, because <laughs> I know lots of key. Right, okay, so probably the best thing that would be then to go to the original paper here and look at their motivation, so I would not have the yeah, answer right now. Yeah, I'm just wondering because the, for that very reason, you know, because like airline models are used to dimension phone exchanges, but not if you anticipate unusual events and they've all been incorporated into models. I just, I'm just kind of wondering about that specific And um, yeah, that's what we got. So, so what happened on Wednesday, the 13th? Uh, well, it's a new year, right? And we, we didn't have data here. So at least we can fill those gaps with our model. Now, the next day after it, okay, since you ask, it's quite interesting. So we got a new year day. It's, it's the 31st and the 1st. And you can see that it has a celebration of a new year. Okay. And then, this particular city is Mainz in, in Germany. And in Germany, you know, it's all quite strict. But still, you can see there's a small delay in people waking up next morning and going to bed next day, and waking up and going to bed. There's a small delay after the celebration time. In Moscow, this delay can long for, like, last for two weeks. <laughs> okay. 
And of course, it got impact on all the systems, right? If you wake up later, you go to work later, traffic jams appear later, and all these impacts are not really studied well. Okay. Um, right? So here would be the source for, for to answer your question. Why they think this is a, a, a really a better model. Okay. Now what I'm going to show, well, I'm just going to plot this abnormal component on the map. And now here what we see is the intensity of this unusual component. What you can see here is something happening here, 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 but generally nothing special. Here is the same, but during the new year. Okay, so now this is the new year in Europe, which you can basically see, right? So most of the communications are not really fit into a normal day. And you can explore these kind of things. And basically what you can do, you can click on each particular hotspot and see what's, what's, what's there. And one of the findings were, okay, so I clicked on the, on the monorail here. And I found out that people in Monorail, of course they celebrate the new year, right, when it's midnight. But they also celebrate, kind of celebrate new year by European time. Right, so this small spike is a European time. And this kind of discoveries are quite, quite interesting. So this is what we call this exploratory analysis of, of data. Right, at uh, the country level what we've got is a, uh, communication by mobile phones, right? And this is our other source of data which we worked with, and this data were provided to us by Roland Farrell. He got links to the meter, and we've got some data samples from meter through Roland. And you can do exactly the same things. So basically, you've got the Erlang data from from mobile phone company. You can build the same profiles. You know where the cell phone masts are located. And we did a little bit of work with this data, and uh, John here got uh, lots of expertise on, on, on working with this. So my, my questions will be addressed over there. And, uh, well, exactly the same things. So, for example, you can build heat maps and see how things go in Ireland. So I'll try to show you a couple. All right. This is exactly the same uh, method that we used. We just plot a heat map of intensity. So we take our lungs, interpolate, and we can see daytime variations of, uh, of intensity of communication. Right? And here we got time, here we got date, here's the daytime, high intensity, okay, night. The next day is special. That's a celebration of uh, 20, 250 years since Arthur Guinness, right? And you can see this been delayed till 4 a.m. in the morning. And you can see exactly the same things as usual. So Friday night, Friday night, look at the time, 4, 5, there's still something going on. Saturday, you can potentially detect what's going on during shopping time, 
right? Who is talking to whom? The next night is again a very long night. Okay, then you got Sunday. Sunday got its particular pattern, very different. And basically, you can see what's happening where. Next day is just back to work. It's a normal working day. So all this kind of exploratory analysis is, is possible. Thank you. Right. So coming back to to you know trying to, to increase the resolution and going into more detail how how this works and what kind of information we get. Well, I'm going to show you one visual of the same heat map for, for Dublin now. So basically your resolution is defined by the resolution you get from a mobile phone network. If you get high resolution of cells in mobile phone network, you get good spatial resolution. Basically, where you've got people, you've got better spatial resolution of what people do because the network is organized this way. A particular moment I want to show you is here. Uh, it is on the same night, on a Saturday night, I think it is. Yes, here it is. So basically, you can catch a moment in the city center here when people go out of the pubs and call for taxis or trying to find their friends. So the intensity of mobile phone calls drops down at midnight. At 1 a.m. it's low, at 2 a.m. it's high, and then it's low again. So you can see all those kind of small variations. And you can know like what kind of cities generate this kind of patterns, and you can try to induce the, the land use in the cities. Right? Okay. Now, since we got mobile phone calls, we also know which areas of the cities are connected and which cells, uh, I mean, which, how, how calls connect the cities. And we did this kind of analysis on the aggregated data. So we looked at the cells connected to other cells and tried to do the community detection on this network. And one of the most apparent findings was that North and South Dublin don't talk. And uh, here, what you can see is the red color is the uh, uh, cells to which the calls being directed from here, right? So people from here never call to the north. The same people from here that they never call to the uh, okay people from here never call to south. People from here never call to the north, right? So there's no connection between north and south, which is quite interesting. And so we did community detection on here a particular part of communities in Dublin. You've got north, south, and west, and the center is a little bit special. And the same pattern exists also on the country level. So you can observe communities uh, of the country, and they are quite different from the administrative divisions, which is also interesting. So. It will have impact later when I present uh, what we did next with the other data set. For example, you can say that, well, 
if a rumor spread, then they would not leave the community, right? Because there's no communication. Or people don't talk, so political views would not spread, and so on. You can try to build this kind of models. Right. The other things we did is we tried to look how this kind of communities evolve in time because you know there's much more complications uh, to this part than we just thought initially are there. And people move, right? And people are engaged in different activities, so they, their phone calls are different. You can call to your colleagues, you can call to your friends, and you do different things in different times of the day. So the pattern of communities changes through time, and we try to explore this, and you know, do it in different various time slices, build a model to connect those time slices, and look at the temporal variations of those communities. And uh, we are like in the middle of this work. Okay, small summary. We've got this data on the intensities. We know number of connections between locations. We can do intensity maps, detect routine and abnormal events. We can try to think of the interpretation to these events. It's always speculation. We don't really know what's happening. We can take a network view on the system, detect communities, and we observe spatial patterns in the communities. And then we thought, okay, that's not complicated enough, so okay, let's do uh, some, something more. So and we looked at the individual level data. Moreover, we started to think, okay, we need content to understand what exactly is happening. So we need to interpret those abnormal events. So we need content on the communication. And we need to look at the individual level social networks as well. Right? Because whatever you do, how you move depends on your social context. You might join your friends to go somewhere, and this would define your your movement pattern. And we said, okay, right, what kind of data we can have from there? Uh, and well, that's Twitter, right? In Twitter, you get access to content. Some people post tweets and they're georeferenced so that you know how they move. And potentially, you know who they're following and who they're talking on the Twitter. So you know the social network as well. And we started exploring this data. And we built a system, a crawler system, and uh, looked at what was happening in Ireland. And here you can see the same heat map, the hashtags from Twitter. You can know like, what's roughly what, what's happening. And you've got the same intensity levels. And of course, you can apply all the same models to this data. You can split the tweeting activity. Okay, you get number of tweets here. So you can split it into routine and something abnormal. And uh, why we do this? Well, we can split it, and now what we wanted to see is, okay, let's try to understand what is behind those abnormal levels of activities and get some understanding of why these abnormal events, what is happening, basically, what people are talking about. Can you what is the curve? What is X? What is Y? We've got time. Okay, so here's one day. The scale is this one day here. And... Uh, I will just go to the next slide. You will see the same, the same graph. Here's one day. And here's the number of tweets. The count of tweets we crawled from Ireland. Per minutes or per five minutes? Five minutes, yeah, 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 sure, yeah. The total number of tweets happened in Ireland? Per five Per five minutes. Per five minutes. It's just a, it's a rate. And the blue is which one's predicted and which one is which one is the model, which one is the measure? Yeah, so the the measured is the blue, 
the red is the routine. Yeah. Okay. And this is the same model, and you got the, the probability of this additive component here, right? So you can you can get a confidence interval of something happening. And we thought, okay, we need another model to understand what exactly is happening. So we looked at the the text in the tweets and applied a probabilistic topic model, quite a standard one. The only thing that it uses the LDA model, which is trained on a stream of text, with a slightly slight, slight variation to the original model. And basically, what it is used for, it's used when you want to understand what kind of topics generated this set of, this corpus of text. So this model works in a simple way. You've got a dictionary of words, a distribution over words define a topic, a distribution over topics define a text. So each text can contain several topics. Each topics can share words, right? And what we got from this particular week in Ireland was a mixture of various topics, and that was a week when we had the oxygen festival, right? We got the oxygen topic in the stream. It was also the week when the Harry Potter came out, so you had a Harry Potter topic in this week. And you got the UK Open Golf Tournament the same week, and you got the final of the BBC Apprentice show in the same week. And all those events are detectable from the Twitter stream. Why text or why the hashtags? It's text, that's the content of the messages. And this is why this model is much more powerful than just monitoring the, the hashtags. Well, why it's not very powerful is because it's exploratory. You need to define how many topics you, you expect to see in your stream. And then, since your topic is defined as a distribution of words, you really need to see into the words to understand that this was an oxygen or that this was a Harry Potter. Because the topic comes from a model as a set of words. Some of them are most probable, some are not very probable. And um, here's one example. On the graph we got time, as usual, day, number of tweets from the oxygen topic. And when the festival started, we know where this tweet's been posted from, so we know where people who are interested in oxygen live. They post about that. Here's the words they use, and looking at the words, the size of the word is the probability for this word to belong to this topic, so it's the weight of the word. And we can see what kind of terms people use to describe oxygen, right? So they go in there, hoping it's not going to rain, and uh, that's a little bit what we can say about what's going on, which is good. The festival was three days long, okay, and the weights of the words changed. During that time, people started to use other terms. Oh, okay, it's really great, the last day is probably the best, and you know, they liked that. And this map is the relative intensity of this topic compared to the, the total stream. And if we look into here, we see the small hotspot. Why? Because it's exactly the location of the festival. Moreover, since we can track the users from Twitter, we know from where people came to this location. So we can track people in space, so we know that 
this amount of people came from here, from here, from there. And we know the trajectories they followed if they tweeted uh, frequently enough. Right? Every time they tweet, we know where they are. So some people have been very generous to us and showed the exact trajectory they have followed. That's nice. Now we can take a close-up view to the festival site, okay, to that hotspot I shown to you. And here's the, uh, this race course, Punchestown race course, where the festival is. Here's the official boundaries of the festival, and here's the heat map. You can see everything, the main stage, the small stage, the parking lots, everything. Which was nice. And um, here is uh, what we're going to do now, because it's, I'm, I'm going to, you know, it's my fantasies. But um, looking at that heat map here, why we got a hotspot? Because people moved into this place. And that's why the relative intensity of this topic increased. They moved physically. Now, for other events, what happens? Well, you can also observe hotspots, but they appear not just because people moved in there, but because they've been only interested in this topic locally. And here we got the Harry Potter topic. This moment in time is a Sunday, or I don't remember the day, but it was a pre-screening of Harry Potter at Trafalgar Square, and it was broadcasted by BBC uh, worldwide. And people in Cork somehow got interested in that and started discussing it while nowhere else people were interested. While during the actual premiere, right, or like a few hours after, everyone was interested. So the question is why it was not like a global interest over the country in that particular event and kind of a like mean-field effect during the, the, the other event. And we thought, well, okay, it's probably got something to do with these communities, right? So if there's no communication, maybe your friends live here and you've got enough friends around Cork, to make this topic visible because you start discussing it with friends and this just doesn't spread really. And all these kind of models, uh, well, we are starting to work on this now. Um, this graph just summarizes what we've seen. And uh, we know from where people came from, what terms they used to describe this particular event. We know what other events were happening and now we can associate those events to those abnormal things we observed on the network. Okay? So we can observe that oxygen was not really discussed much and the, the UK golf tournament was discussed much, 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 much more intensely. Probably because the winner was a guy from Northern Ireland. So it was a really booming topic here. The TV shows, they also discussed quite intensely. So, but you can see that in time the dynamics is very different. And all those things we got data for, we now need to build models for those things. Now, movement is important. And uh, we also understand that we need to do something about movement. And uh, this particular effect that people came to, to a festival location, remember the oxygen, physically moved in there. And that's why we observe what we observe. It's a very different process from the other one that I described. So we really need to understand movement better. And uh, we'll start looking into movement and trying to understand what we know about movement. Well, we know a few things. We got Jerfan's Twitter, we got the mobile phone calls, and every time you do a call or post a tweet, we know where you are, we can track you. 
we looked into tracks and of course there are people traveling crazy across the country on a daily basis probably that's their job the truck drivers for example but the majority of people stays local right majority of people stays really really local they don't travel much and that's been observed before and it's it's, it's not a surprise right. so the distribution of the distance you travel daily is truncated power law so you've got thousands of people living locally and a few individuals traveling crazy distances there are other observations about movement for example that if you look into the, the distribution of the displacements like of the typical displacements you can describe it uh, in a, quite a simple form which simply tells you that you've got your home location your office location and you tend to deviate from this commute but you try to do it conveniently for yourself so you deviate on the way and go into the you know shopping then home and so on and there are several like uh, quite a quite a few actually those descriptive facts but they are not really good models for for mobility so we can observe people displacements but we don't really know the trajectories that they follow and what kind of laws generate this trajectory so are there any laws which explain your your movement in space so this still needs to be done there are many models of course none are perfect some are useful and uh, we started with a simple thing we started to, mod to, to simulate the travel to work movement and uh, Gavin is here and this is his work and what we've done and Gavin did is there's a data set from central statistics office about the commutes so we know in which electoral division electoral district people live and where they work on a 250 meter resolution grid we can take those numbers downscale them using the geodirectory the database of addresses and we know where people live we know where they work and using the street network we can model how they get there probably they use some kind of rational decision-making thing so probably go fastest like shortest path and we can model this and there is a micro simulation uh, software which does that and here I will show you the visual of this yeah yes living here walking there yeah and here you need to somehow use other data or basically say that you can start your journey from 7 to 730 with particular distribution right if you and you can complicate it you know infinitely there's really many things you can do because every point here is a simulation it's an agent which follows some particular routine and those daily routines the first part of my talk was about all those routines so you can complicate things and here's the moment when everyone goes off and starts journeying home right here's when you got traffic jams and the visual here is shown in the software which is free but restricted so we are going to use a better visuals built ourselves to visualize this data but potentially you can visualize the whole traffic system in Ireland 
model and visualize. The, this thing is to understand uh, decision making, how people decide where to start, where to go, when to leave work, what to do on their way back and so on. Okay, so to summarize what we've got, we've got uh, the aggregated data sources, they're useful to understand these massive events. If there's something happen, we know that. We usually, if it's massive enough, we can see what's happening on using content-rich sources like Twitter. And then the questions are at the individual level, right? So we want to understand this interplay of social influence and physical movement. Do you follow your friends or are you not? Are you using some kind of rational paradigm in decision-making? Like, is it a rational decision to start now? Or like, why you left office now? Did you thought about something or why you have that? And you know, when you apply those simple rules at this low level, then the, the macro-scale patterns would be really different. And it's quite a complicated modeling, you know, and this is a, the, a part of very, very uh, ambitious projects. So what we want to do is uh, make it simple enough and just bring together all those models and data sources, as I've shown, into a small city-scale demonstrator. Right. And um, we've got a nice team to, to do that. So thank you guys for your input. I was wondering about, like, so, you know, it's kind of a question about the fundamental purpose, right? because, you know, historically looking at data and making sense of it is always quite interesting, right? And again, as you say, maybe it informs fundamental laws, but presumably the idea is to build something that helps you either, I don't know, design something or be predictive. I mean, it seems like unlikely that you're, you'd be able to do much with the predictive ability on Twitter things, particularly because there's a question about the non-stationarity of the data and um, you know, how much you're actually learning and how long you can. But I was wondering, could you give a little bit of an insight into why, why should I buy this from you? You know, if, or who am I? What should I buy Yeah, so you could be a city manager. You would be interested in that. Because the thing is, the reality is that the urban systems are designed without any data in mind. People just use their expectations of how people would be using cities. So urban planning is such a field that you got an artist, comes, draws you the map, and then you build. And then people need to adapt their behavior to what's been built. Maybe it's not the best thing to do, right? Maybe it's better to understand how people behave and then build systems in a better way. And you would save resources, you'd make cities better and so on. So what you're hoping is from the model, for instance, because that's interesting, because say your traffic model, that would mean you would have to have a method of interpreting. If I inserted a new row between X and Y, how will that overall picture is going to change? Yeah, that's so you, you can do this kind of model. That's why you want to build agent-based models of the individuals as well. So, uh, you've quite a lot of interesting data, but is there any data you'd really like to get your hands on that you think get it would, you know, really change what you could do or you, you, you in some big way? 
uh, better resolution for Twitter data because they only give you 5%. Felix knows better, but they only give you 1%, one, 1% 1 already. Before they were given 5 now they're given 1%. Okay, so that's of the tweets that come through, you get 5% of them. Some of them may be tagged and some of them may not be. We also want people to tweet more frequently and disclose their locations. <laughs> Or, on the other hand, we'd like to have the content of the mobile phone communication. You'll never get that, right? But have you looked at um, geotagged photos or active data in photos or anything? Yeah, Gavin, just behind you, probably did work on that. Yeah, we looked at for Dublin City uh, people tagging YouTube videos and Facebook videos. I was wondering if you have any expectation on how the data which you kind of use another thing as Twitter. Because I have no idea about how special the group is who's using Twitter instead of, for example, the mother with instant messenger, Facebook or something like that. Um, yeah, like what, what, is, what, what would be my expectation how people change their habits in using this? How no. different would the data be, I guess? You know, how selective is the group using Twitter? You know, you were saying things about where people, like, only people call Yeah, I mean, sh I mean, surely it's biased, right? So you've got younger population uh, in Twitter than you really need. But um, man, that's the reality, so you need to introduce some kind of corrections. Some standard kind of calibration correcting those biases. Yeah, that's part of the work. We'd ask LTE to give you the core ID data for Joe Duffy's show or something like that, and then see who's complaining about what when you contribute to bias. Yeah. But if we use completely different bias to Twitter, so. So the next round for the rest of the news, such as it is, so any other questions, of course, you can be grab them off to the top, but let's just thank you this morning.